Let us pray again. (laughs) Come, Holy Spirit, and fill the hearts of these, your people who have gathered here and across time and space out of their love for you. And may my words and our hearts together glorify you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, now, what do you think about when I say the word saint? What do you think about when I say the word saint? Someone from long ago memorialized in the stained glass of the great cathedrals around the world? Someone who, like Pope John XXIII, has a replica of his body lying in state at St. Peter's Basilica. Closer to home, maybe you think about Dorothy Day, who is yet to be canonized and yet is in that process, founder of the Catholic Workers' Movement that was both radical and compassionate. Or perhaps you think of our patron saint, Francis of Assisi, or of any of those mentioned in our invocation of the saints this morning. But in your life, who is your patron saint? Who is the person living or deceased who surrounded you with love? All Saints Day that we celebrate today is most typically remembered and celebrated on November 1st. And, and my, my uh, older sister, Kay, and my mother-in-law, Sharon, are both born on that day. My sister, Kay, a longtime member of the United Methodist tradition, loved her church in Austin, where they really did all saints upright. Big processional brass music and she would weep during the invocation of the saints it was so meaningful for her and that's actually where I first came in contact with the worship service for all saints we Protestants generally regard all true Christian believers as saints and we observe all saints day to remember all Christians both past and present and in fact In our litany today, we remembered people who were not Christians. Mahatma Gandhi, Anne Frank, that we, as progressive Christians, actually extend that blessing of sainthood out into the world. For believers and non-believers, for people of other faiths, for people of no faith, but who hold humanity in the greatest honor, And this day in our church and in general in the Protestant church is to remember the saints with a capital S, but also to remember all those who have died who were our loved ones or people who were part of our community. And we like to say that saints are those who have helped extend and enliven God's realm on earth by their very presence. And we remember them today, many of them who are deceased, we remember them now as a part of the church universal, 
and what we call the church triumphant. That meaning that we remember them still living in a, in a space and time that we can't even imagine or articulate, in a light that warms and comforts and yet brightens and showers light all over the world. I mean, this is our remembrance, and it's always a mystery. We don't know how this happens. We don't know the truth of how this happens, but I assure you that we know that it does. Oh, or maybe you don't, and that's okay too. Anybody who's lost somebody dear to their heart is right to have concerns and doubts, and even to have doubts about our own lives. With our focus on our shared worship this morning, we also focus on our effort to follow Jesus Christ as part of the body of Christ throughout all time and space. And to do that, we remember that we are surrounded by other Christians, not just those here on site, not just those online, but all Christians. We are surrounded, completely surrounded on earth and in heaven by people who have been with us, gone before us, who are here with us now. And their presence with us can give us encouragement and inspiration and hope in our own journey. <clears throat> now, today, in our culture, well, somebody called it our vapid culture, uh, we have celebrities who are famous for being famous. Do you know that? You know, there are people who have not necessarily contributed anything, but they've just become famous. They're influencers or whatever. And, and, and we have all kind of people who we consider heroes. Uh, you know, personality, sports figures, influencers, and more. So it becomes difficult for us sometimes to discern the difference between fame and sainthood. And what is equally and shocking to us sometimes is that one of these athletes or one of these personalities or one of these famous people who are famous just because they're famous turn out to be saints, right? They do something or they say something or they act in a way that takes our breath away. And it's not about their fame and it's not about their athletic prowess. It's there's something else at work in them. But still, we have the challenge of understanding that it's easier to be a fan than to be a follower. Equally difficult is our world that seems to be spinning out of control. I don't need to tell you wars and rumors of war, violence and death on our streets, with our elected leaders choosing to look away with our fears and anxieties of our collective living. And then there are our own personal griefs over the deaths of those we love, put so beautifully in our first lesson, that can leave us feeling angry and filled with deep and profound grief, can leave us feeling doubtful about what faith is or trust of God is. And I want to say here, and I need to say it in a tender way that I hope you can hear, that it's okay to get angry. 
it's okay to be consumed by grief. Because that is what losing someone you love dearly can do to you. But I also, in this tender moment, want to remind you that Jesus got angry. He got angry at the abuse of his faith by people who were trying to control everything for their own benefit. In fact, those are the only people he really called names. And he also grieved. He goes at the bidding of Mary to the tomb of her brother Lazarus. And there at the tomb he weeps. And people around say, see how he loved him. And if Jesus had that kind of emotion and feeling, and if we're going to follow Jesus, I think it's perfectly good for us to grieve. But I also want you to remember that even Jesus, in his own suffering, looked at the, the big picture of the mystery of life and taught us. I love John Irving's own remembrance in his book, A Prayer to Owen Meany, writing. When someone you love dies, you don't lose her all at once. You lose her in pieces over a long time, the way the mail stops coming and her scent fades from the pillows, and even from the clothes in her closet and drawers. Gradually, you accumulate the parts of her that are gone. Isn't that beautiful? But I also want you to hear how that accumulation of the parts of your loved one who is gone can have transforming impact, as in the poem we heard read for our first lesson by um, Coffee. He writes, Today all our remembrances are so we have room for the dead to rise and fill us with their wisdom, only offered to those who pause to weep, and then our ghostly beloveds, and God with them make our lives hallowed again. Hallowed again. Holy again. By our willingness to let them rise and fill us with their wisdom. The truth is, only that grief can cleanse us and remind us that we need saints today whose remembrances challenge us. We have a St. Francis statue in our living room. We also have a St. Francis statue in our dining room. And we have a St. Francis statue in our garden, our patio. And we have them there because they've been given to us. And we have them there because they're beautiful. And we have them there because we think Francis was a good guy, following faithfully in the way of Jesus, and was so faithful in his following. But we also have him there in these forms to remind us who we should be, to call us forth, to remind us 
that we are called into this world and created by God in this world to be the people of love and grace, of abundant compassion and care. Our scripture reading today is a shimmering window of God's future, which we get to be a part of. We don't know anything, hardly at all, about who wrote this letter to the Hebrews. And though it says it's a letter to the Hebrews, we don't know anything at all about who the letter was really written to. I hope that doesn't come as a shock to you. And uh, for progressive Christians, there's a lot to wrestle with in the letter to the Hebrews. I mean a whole lot. That's another sermon. whole lot. <laughs> but in this passage we hear today, the writer uses a pattern in our reading that is consistently done throughout the epistle. First, the writer in our reading causes a, calls us to persevere faithfully, or what we might say, um, run the race faithfully, is what he says. Um, he also advocates, or he, I'm saying he, maybe a she, advocates three practices that we are to follow. Remain faithful, that is to trust. Keep your eyes on Jesus and understand God's use of trials in, in our lives and grow stronger as, in our faith. But it's the middle one that is most important, I think, here and for the writer. Look to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Jesus will show us the way to go. And this may seem impossible, right? I mean, after all, anybody cla claiming sainthood this morning? No hands? Okay. Well, let me just say to you, the good news for all of us is that the friends, the saints of God, are not superhumans. Saints do not possess an extra layer of muscle. They're not taller. They do not sport superior IQs. They are not richer. And their parents are not more clever than yours or mine. They have no bat-like perception, you know, spidey intellect, that enables them to fly in the dark or to discern things. They are flesh and blood just like you and me, no stronger, no more intelligent, and that is the point. They simply offer themselves to God, knowing that they are not. That they are not the elite, fully cognizant, cognizant that they are inadequate to the task and that their abilities are limited and fallible. These are the saints of God. And we're right there in there with them. Saints then and now, living and dead, do not possess perfection or superhuman holiness, but simply love for God and neighbor. And that's why I started by asking you, who's your patron saint? And these are the qualifications. Not perfection. Not superhuman holiness. But simply love for God and for neighbor and for you. Remember, Jesus didn't merely command love. He loved. He, did, he demonstrated it. He put it on display so that we would know the way. But his display isn't just for watching. We receive his love and his embrace, but then we are to offer his love and his embrace. A colleague of mine in his last sermon at the pastorate that he had served for more than 10 years, 
it was just an absolutely beautiful sermon, and he talked about one of his pastor friends uh, saying that the best sermon you can preach is love God and live like it. Love God and live like it. And I think that's the best part of what we are called to do and be. And friends, that's what makes us saints. And here's the thing, we are surrounded today. We're surrounded always by the saints of God. And today, as we come to the table, I want you to look, I want you to listen. Still your busy minds for a moment and know the spiritual energy in the room. The mystery of our faith is that Jesus Christ is present. The Holy Spirit is present. And all whom we have loved, all who have died and gone on before us, are at this table where we meet them every Sunday at this table of God's love and grace for us. Thanks be to God. Amen.